This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Next Lander podcast. Brad Shoemaker. Uh, Hi. How are you? I'm doing what my tail is fluffy and I'm ready to go. Ah, uh, does that mean bushy tailed and bright eyed? I might, I might just be staring at footage of a lombax right now. Oh yeah, that, okay. that may have inspired that comment. Please Great. count the hairs on the lombax for me. How are the okay, reflections one, on the lombax? Two, three, four, three, five. Okay. You can it's end fine. this bit anytime you want. No, it's no, fine. no. Keep it's going. Right. No, no. There are only there five are years. All right, great. Uh, Alex Navarro, welcome uh, uh, to here. Is this the first podcast now? We're, we're celebrating every milestone for you in your basement. Mm-hmm. Is this the first one? I don't think it is. No, it's the first one without uh, internet issues, as far as we know. As far as we know. we yeah. So the night is young, uh, Mr. Yeah. Navarro. There's always a chance, but so far this week, everything has held up. Uh, speaking of holding up, my phone... I got one of those like cradle chargers, the NFC uh, chargers. I, I love it. It's very easy. I just put it down. But uh, I don't know if it's actually hot down here, but it keeps on stopping its charge saying like, we'll continue charging when your phone returns to a human temperature. Yikes. Just bring it over to my basement. It's icy cold down here. Oh, That's gosh. not good. 
Uh, if you are, here's a tip. If you're getting a lot of heat, heat. wireless charging your phone or anything, yeah. it means the alignment of the coils is off. So I smash them. Yes. Yeah, rub a magnet so up and down them. Take a take a hammer to it, and then you'll get the coils closer together. No, it's like a like that's why the new Apple stuff has magnets in it to force oh, wow. it to align it exactly the right way. Because yeah, a lot of the energy transfer dissipates as heat if if the coils aren't lined up in a good way. Just try try moving the <laughs> phone around a little bit. Okay, the, I'll just shift it over to the side here a little bit and see what happens. Um, near field charging, just one step closer to uh, just beaming energy. Just mm-hmm. beam the energy yes, straight the from the sun. energy transmitter is... If we were almost so close. <laughs> we're going to get there. Uh, just don't misdirect that uh, that feed. Uh, let me ask you these, this, you guys. Connoisseurs of all that is ethical and moral and right in the world. Uh, it's You have gravely misjudged me, but let's go. Uh, I uh, Yes, last night I was uh, sitting there. I was waiting for my wife. She was on a, a, a meeting. She was in a meeting, and we were waiting to have dinner. She was wrapping something up. And I was like, all right, look, it's a weekday. It's the summer, though. We're going to watch some TV. And I, I pop onto my profile on the old uh, on the TV there. Um, Wait, I'm sorry. Yeah. Your profile on the TV? You know, they have, like, kids on the, each service. There's, like, a profile, like, oh. oh like, well, like on, yeah, on streaming yeah, services. On streaming thought, services, yeah. Okay, I, I, thought you meant, I thought you meant your TV had oh, user profiles. No, 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 no. No, it's, like, Ooh, the streaming. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, um... And they're like, we had watched some, uh, I think you should leave together, right? And it gets, I think this season, even more than last season, it's like pretty raunchy. Uh, body. It's pretty body. It's like, I don't really mind the swear words, but it gets pretty. So, was like, well, Yes. But yeah. like, but, but kind of in a way that's like, <laughs> I'm fielding a lot of questions. Uh-huh. Um, so this, uh. <laughs> So I was like, let's, let's watch Auntie Donna, right? I don't know if you guys have seen Auntie Donna. Um, it's uh, basically sketch comedy. I think they're out of New Zealand. Uh, pardon me if my, I get my accents wrong. It could be Australian. I think they're New Zealand. And they love it. It's super funny, but I'm answering questions like, hey, what what's a cum? <laughs> and, I'm oh. like, <laughs> and I'm like... Well, okay, and then it's like, and then I'm like, and like, wait, what's well, there's really ar- no going back from that one. <laughs> that's yeah. kind of that's that's once that one comes out, that's that's a bo- that's something you cannot put back in a box. No, so it's like I like I don't really mind answering the question, you know, but you have to, I you know, I, I'm trying to answer it in the sensibilities of like, well, all right, this this is you know uh, an 11 year old. Uh, and a nine-year-old, and I'm trying to be like, okay, well, you know, th- this more uh, kind of academically describing it, right? Uh-huh. Like, uh, and then son, was, I, son, I think he meant comely, as in attractive, <laughs> right, that's fetching. Right. That's definitely not what he meant when he was pointing right to his penis. Um, and uh, unless, unless he thinks he has a comely, anyway. <laughs> well, and then like, look, I would much rather have my kids know what it is before they go around just repeating it. Uh, you know, right and, before and, some other ten-year-old just starts hollering it on the playground, and everyone's like, "What is that word? That's funny. I'm gonna say it." And look, they're at an age where I'm sure they're hearing much worse. Apparently, not the the pure definition of these things, but uh, like I'm okay with that. It's just one of those things where I feel a responsibility to have to explain it instead of just being like the the lazy part of me just wants to be like, "Don't worry about it." Right? Mm-hmm. That feels mean, like. Do you mean the talk? Not even the talk we've that, talked about sex and anymore? stuff, but like it's more of just like having to stop and be like, "All right, yes, let me mm-hmm. explain this weird 
weird bit about why why the person you're talking about is horny. Right? It is a bit of a, like a tire screech. Like, okay, everything stops until we figure out how I'm going to address this. Yes, like uh, you know, it, it's just a, it's. A, but they oh, they were rolling on the floor. It was so funny. It was like genuinely. There's a market there for that level of humor, just with maybe skewing some of the jokes a little bit back, or like walking it back a little You're bit. Saying there's a market for cum jokes, bleeped cum jokes, I okay. think. Uh, and then there's a there's a <laughs> family appropriate innuendo. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. Uh, I could I could see the line where we're like you know approaching it, and then we just run right over it sometimes, and we're like, oh man. Uh, so I don't know. Like, did, so did you just then then start running down all the alternate terms for the concept so that they would know when they come up? No, I. I mean, I. I, I mean, I may have said it like ejaculation at some point. Like I said, I was trying to take a pretty academic approach. So what you're saying is they still think jizz is a Star Wars musical <laughs> style. I mean, it is. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, it's not the only thing that it is. No, because that just leads down a path of asking, "Well, what is that?" And then you have to be like, "Well, what is that?" And what is that? Uh-huh. I, just, I just went right to the source. All right, and uh, oh, that's the source. All right, source of everything. <laughs> source of life. Um, I like. So my question to you guys is like, just keep forging ahead. Answer those questions. Oh, yeah. Or- yeah. No, okay. I think you're doing it the responsible way. It sucks. It's annoying to have to do because then you actually have to have hard conversations with your kids. They're not that hard. They're just like they're uncomfortable. They're not even uncomfortable. It's just like it's more of just like if I were to explain it to you, you would you use language that's like, oh, it's you know, you you know what a sexual relationship is, you have all this thing, you know, mm-hmm. you know, all these things. And they're I better. So- I'm a forty one year old man. <laughs> and they're at the point where, you know, it's still like, ew, boys, ew, mm-hmm. girls, that kind of thing, uh, right. where it's like, and it, you know, they sometimes respond to be like, gross, why would anybody do that? And it's like, okay, well, you wanted to know what the, what the yeah, words now meant. You know. Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like a bad parent. Sometimes no. I feel like, no, this is the way to do this. Uh, and then I feel like the parent who is like, when my kids go and point at their, <laughs> point at their... <laughs> genitals and say my penis is a drum my penis uh-huh. is a drum and then the other parents say what the fuck is fuck going, is going on, in on in your house <laughs> in your house look my penis is a drum it made a little cum and then be me, like okay good let me mm. let me tell you right now okay my parents gave me the serious talks they definitely were not unwilling to sit down and explain like the the hard concepts to me but they could not ever have possibly grasped <laughs> any of the dumb slang terms and other things that came around for that stuff, if they had tried, they would have failed miserably to communicate that stuff to me because they never understood any of the like that those terms or those jokes or any of that stuff when I was growing up. So I had to rely on the kids in the schoolyard to educate me on that stuff. And let me tell you right now, having a savvy parent that actually understands this stuff and can explain it in context with all without just sucking the fun out of it <laughs> is yeah. actually a worthwhile thing, I think. I, I try my best to not make it feel like a moment and to just do it like a casual oh you don't know what that means hey here's what this means it doesn't have to be an after school special every single time just to kind of like like you were explaining what uh the difference between toast and burnt toast like oh okay like this is it's when the toast gets burnt or like oh it's when a male's penis ejaculates what's an Mm -hmm. ejaculation it's and then it you know it usually stops with gross dad and be like you wanted to know now Mm -hmm. we're moving on look at this other joke about 26 miles per hour that's what uh uh-huh good um that's that's how that's apparently how fast that 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 goes okay good do i know that 
I, I clo- have you clocked some speed? No, you know, it's you because little, there was a local band that I, when I was growing up, that called themselves that, 26 miles per oh. hour, specifically because of that. And it was one of the dumbest fucking things I've ever seen. But also, those guys, absolutely, that, that, that was their style of humor, 100%. Think about the scientist who has to talk about the grant they got to be like, and also the, the stuff they have to fill out to be like, we're looking for volunteers. What do you got to do? Well... Hey, we're doing a kind of a test. We need to know. Just uh, go in that room there. I've got the uh-huh. world's smallest, smallest radar gun. <laughs> we're just gonna, <laughs> we're just gonna. Well, gonna I mean, that's the speed. one you want to be a part of because the other one is the uh, the the ejaculate crash tests, which are a lot harder. <laughs> they just they just fucking wreck a Volvo into your into your cock over and over again. It's not fun. <laughs> Little helmets on some sperm. Yeah. <laughs> what do we sign up for anyway? <laughs> Uh, anyway, we're having a good time here. Glad I can get the opinion uh, of everybody out there. Other parents, uh, I'm sure you must run into this stuff. I will take, I'm curious. Um, Because sometimes, you know, it's a big world out there. And I know a lot of parents would probably not agree with like exposing their kids to that kind of stuff. Damn, you hear it about it all the time. But I don't feel that way. You know, like kids got to learn somehow. Also, might as well be from someone they can trust. I kind of feel like if you, I would like to remove the shame from any of that stuff to make yeah. it feel like it's taboo. That's my personal opinion. Like the quicker we don't make this a thing we can't talk about, the better off I would feel in my family personally. Plus, the sooner they'll start actually understanding all these jokes. Yeah, and they'll be funnier for it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's get Max in his stand-up routine. <laughs> it's really, right, it's really just an investment in your child's future career. Yep. Just makes things easier. Let's talk about some video games, folks. Before it gets too hot down here, figuratively and literally. Um, we played, we've got a, looking at this rundown here. There's a lot of games on this list. Yeah. Um, let's start with Remnant 2 or 1. Something, something ashes? No, they dropped that. No more ashes. <laughs> Back to the ashes. Uh, Remnant 2 uh, just came out, came out on the, I think officially on the 25th, which was at the time of this recording yesterday, uh, but you could get in and play it a little before that if you had a certain edition of the game. Uh, we played it on our Monday stream. I had a really good time. Yeah. I think we might go back to it again. I'm going to say this, my my quick overview of Remnant 2 feels more fleshed out than Remnant and uh, the system seemed deeper than, than Remnant. Uh, I did go back and I played Remnant 1 uh, last night with my brothers um, and going backwards and it was like, oh, this, okay, yes, now I see. Also, the game Remnant 2 looks very good. Yes. Um, uh, Remnant. Yeah, it's on Unreal Engine 5. They're doing some cool stuff there. Did you start fresh in Remnant 1? I did because I think I had it on PC uh, back when we played Remnant 1 and I, I got it on PS5 slash 4, um, but I think I had it from... Um, what's it? What's the PlayStation now? What well, no, a PlayStation! Sorry, PS Plus. Plus, yeah. yeah I think plus. I, I think they must have put it up on PS Plus at some point because my older brother had it. But I wound up just going. I think it was like fourteen bucks or something like that to get the whole thing, like with all the DLC. So I, I just wound up getting all that stuff. But it does not look as good or nearly as good mm-hmm. as Remnant Two. Looks very good. It's very sharp looking. It's UE Five, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, not, some, and there is no PS4 or or what, previous console version of of uh, this that game of Remnant Two. Yeah, I think I think some of the real world art design is a little drab, but I think that's probably intentional because hmm. it's post apocalypse. Everybody's fucked. Everything is rusted and dusty. Yeah, 
You're saying there's uh, some rusted root going down? Yes, <laughs> pretty much. But then, yeah, you know, it's... it's Send me on my way. Uh-huh. Good. Is, is, is this Stargate? I never really thought about it, but is this game, is the setting of this just kind of Stargate because you're in a you're in a shitty place and then you warp to more interesting fantasy places? It's sort of like a little bit of Stargate, but with more of a The Mist setup because yeah. it sounds like there's a bunch of bad secret science happening that sure. is what resulted in this this stupid apo- multi-dimensional apocalypse. That's fair. Um, Rem- Remnant is broadly is third-person shooter Dark Souls, basically, yep. for people who don't know. This game seems awesome. It's four-player co-op, right? Uh, three. three. Oh, it is three. It is I only three. I, believe okay. it, I think it tops out at three. It's It's weird. I had so okay. I really want to play more of it, but I had such a good time on that stream, and also I and the more I play it by myself, the stronger I feel that I think it's way better in a group, mm-hmm. like way better. Especially if you're on more than the default difficulty, mm. at which point it gets like brutally hard. Did you mm. jack it up uh, even more? No, 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 no. I left oh, it where okay. no. That's just me by myself on the same difficulty okay. that Veteran, we played. Right? Is what we played on? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I need to check. I don't know if there are any actual tangible benefits to being. <laughs> on higher difficulty, you might get experience faster because I have been leveling my class super fast. Okay. Um, but between like, you know, it's just instant game over when you die by yourself and go back to the checkpoint versus, you know, you can get oh, people sure. up. Yes. Um, <clears throat> also just sort of healing each other, crowd management, stuff like that. Like it is fucking hard by mm-hmm. yourself. Um, I bet. Uh, the, it, it wasn't easy with three people. But in Remnant 1, uh, there are only three... Okay, I'm pretty early on. I never made it that much further in Remnant 1 um, than maybe what people saw on stream. So uh, forgive me if this is wrong, but when you start out in Remnant 1, there are really only three classes to take, and they don't seem to differentiate that much out of the gate, whereas in Remnant 2, immediately the class abilities and the class perks seem to differentiate each class significantly. Where Interesting. I played a healer, and I immediately had that kind of aura healing spell. In Remnant 1, I have a similar thing, as a, but it's a mod for the gun. I, yeah, I I played quite a bit of Remnant, but it's been, like, what, four years since it came out, I think? Um, yeah. It, was it the... You may not know because you haven't played a ton of it. Was it the kind of thing where, like, your starting class just sort of determines some of what you start with, but you can kind of spec in any direction and get stuff like like more fuzzy classes because this is very much like mmo classes of this is this character's skill tree this is what you are going to be able to do as this class that's not going to change i can't say for sure but where i am as soon as i saw the class selection list and the way they described it that's was initially my thought as well of like this feels like a starting gear starting yeah template this more than it feels like a class much more differentiated um, for sure and yeah, the Remnant Two feels like oh, okay, you're gonna you're gonna track th- on these abilities now because you're in this class, which was kind of awesome because when we played as a group, it really felt like we had roles to play within that group of of like you know, hey, I can be a healer, you could be support, you could be or you could be frontline, you could be a tank, you can you know you can do all these different uh, roles, which which I generally kind of like um, in in my you know. <laughs> class-based shooters mm-hmm. uh so remnant 2 feels more in that direction where remnant 1 i mean look i got the mod for healing my brother got the mod for seeing enemies through walls as, as uh, to start with i don't know if i'm going to get support level mods but the the classes are basically long range medium range and long um short range in remnant 1 that's what they kind of say. Like, hey, do you like to be medium range? Then you're going to get this kind of shotgun and, uh, you know, handgun and you get a healing support ability. 
and I can't remember if you just can kind of spec out of that eventually. Uh, but yeah, I the loot seems coming from Diablo. It, the loot seems nice in this. Well, yeah. So it's like I can't remember. I guess the first game was kind of the same. It's interesting because like this game has all the trappings of a loot game, but the actual itemization is more like of Dark Souls because mm-hmm. it's all like prefixed. It's all like named loot. Like mm-hmm. there's no there's no random. There are no rolls happening when stuff drops. I don't think like everything is like this is this armor set. Yeah, it's always going to be this armor set. You're only going to get it once. Yes. Like you're not going to find what it seems plus, like. Yes. Plus yeah. three version of this, of this helmet dropping in the next hour. But there's a pretty um, serious, we didn't, I don't know if you got to it, Brad, but it, in remnant one, there was a serious crafting or, or, uh, upgrading. Yeah. Loop. This definitely is heavy on that stuff too. With there's like a bunch of different upgrade materials. You, there are, let's see, you can craft weapons. You can upgrade weapons. You can get mods for weapons. You can get mutators for weapons. Mutators. Yes. I forgot um, about those. Right some other stuff I am forgetting. Oh, you can get, so you have a relic, which is like your Estus flask. Although it sounds like you can get other relics that are not that and swap that out. You can get, what are they called? Shards for the relic Mm. that change that. Like everything feels like it's got slots on it. Um, it's not, it's not like something you can't get your head around, but it is quite a bit of, of building a character. But, Um, but in the two hours we played, I think maybe we all got, well, we got one full armor set because I feel like we did the extra part of that dungeon. But if we hadn't done that, I think maybe we got two pieces of gear that were worth, you know, keeping on. And like I said, just coming from Diablo where my bags would be full in 10 minutes and then you'd shred all that gear and recycle it. It's kind of nice to go back to a more limited. Yeah. I, yeah. I would even say this isn't even really a loot game. It's just an RPG. Um, um, what was I going to say? I totally lost my train of thought on that. Oh yeah. Like, like the items feel very curated, you know, they feel yeah. like they're like that. So there are hidden walls in this game just to try to drive home how dark soulsy it is. Mm-hmm. And like, thank, thank you chat for tipping us off. Cause <laughs> I found one of them. Ever found that. Although when I went and did that dungeon again, I went and looked at that wall and it was actually shimmering. So, okay. There is a so tell like you can, if you really look, you can see them. There's um, also, I think a little bit of an audio cue when you get close yes, to them. There's like a tingle also. Anyway, like I went through there, but like that's, so you go through that hidden wall and you find a cool ass helmet. That's like this crown with a jewel in it that doubles as a headlamp that actually, casts like a really nice looking glow when you wear it but that was there again when i did that dungeon again even though there's a bunch of stuff that does vary between different people's worlds Hmm. but the point is that helmet is where that helmet is you find it by going through a hidden wall you do it once you're gonna get it and that's it you know what i mean yes same same thing as not to keep harping on the dark souls comparison but it's like all the all the armor feels like hand designed and curated um like somebody could write a guide on where to get that helmet yeah, that, that said, though, they're doing the thing from the first game that I thought was so cool, although it seems very, like, I'm trying to think how to put this. It almost feels like they are hamstringing themselves because basically these games, both of, the, both of these games, have a bunch of content and they sort of randomly dole it out for each player differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe you'll see everything by the end of a playthrough and just in a different order and, like, kind of puzzle piece locked together in different ways, but... Um, like we had a big crazy cryptic puzzle in that dungeon where we had to like track a bunch of symbols and put them into a dial and boy, we probably should have solved that faster than we did. But anyway, I don't think I'm going to say in our defense, two things, one in my defense, one in our defense, first one in our defense. I don't think we were quite expecting what level of puzzle was going to be in that. Yeah, dungeon, maybe, right? maybe not. Like, I think we were kind of like, whoa, it was, 
I think if we were expecting that level of read the text puzzle, we might have been able to solve it faster. Two is a color based yeah, puzzle, and I just always yeah, throw up my yeah. Hands yeah, I mean, those those symbols were glowing enough that I'd kept thinking, like, oh, we're probably going to have to remember these at some point. But anyway, somebody on our Discord did that same side dungeon, did not have that puzzle at all. They said they had a totally different one. Huh. Um, so I went and did my version of that side dungeon. I pretty much had the same elements as the one we had, but they were fitted together in a very different way. So were they different, so, sim- like a different solution? So, so that puzzle, I had the dial puzzle, but the symbols and the colors and everything were totally different. Oh, but okay. also remember the hidden path part. Yeah. So like, it's weird. It's like, it's, it's a lot of dark souls, but it's also some raid kind of mechanics seemingly like there was a part we got to where there were just a bunch of floating platforms mm-hmm. and we had to realize that there are hidden walkways that was between cool. them. So long story short, the, that crazy treasure chest fight we had to do to get the key to go through the door behind the hidden paths. Yeah. That fight was right in front of those hidden paths. Oh. Whereas, if you remember in our version on, on the stream, those were at, like, opposite ends of the dungeon. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So, so, so the pieces are shuffled around a bit. Yeah. It's, and even I had different level design as well. Um, and the enemy encounters are random, and that's actually the one part I'm sort of struggling with and I feel like could maybe be done better in spots is that and we saw some of this in the stream as well. Sometimes they will spawn a few too many enemies into too tight a space mm-hmm. yeah. in a way that's real hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of that randomization feels a little bit messy, but it's still it's still nice to have different fights if you're dying as much as I was and going through the same parts six or eight times, like having different enemy distribution was cool. It's probably worth mentioning, uh, I mean, you, you've made the Dark Souls comparison and it's apt and it's uh, appropriate, but there is a pretty much, and it, yes, it is a, there is a bonfire mechanic in it as well, yeah. where, you know, if you, if you die and respawn, all the enemies have on that level have come back. Or if you go to back to a checkpoint to get health or something, you are respawning the major yeah. or the minor enemies, not uh boss or mid boss no not like scripted encounters or whatever but that's that's the only penalty though is the enemies come back like you're not dropping Mm. experience or currency or anything like that um but i i I, I think it's it's the puzzle solving and the hidden stuff that really got me in that stream like the combat is cool yeah especially playing in a group and having classes that synergize pretty well like alex is playing the pet class you're a healer i'm just kind of the long-range damage dealer guy um but it was really, it was like, you know, finding that hidden path. Yeah. And getting that cool crown, like having to solve that puzzle together. Yeah. Like it, elements like that. And that was just a side dungeon. We it really felt seen, like a mini raid, like, yeah, a, like yeah. a mini thought out puzzly raid. Uh, and it, I like, like you just mentioned, it was fun to play with classes that felt like they were supporting each other. Like that dog saved our bacon uh, a bunch of times because the dog was rezzing people that dog uh, was doing some work that dog was definitely doing work uh and that was that was cool I, I like i felt useful not necessarily because i could uh you know drop a bunch of damage but i could drop a heal and that mm-hmm. felt that felt like it was necessary because of the limited nature of the healing and um uh you you burn a uh an estus flask let's say uh when you revive somebody as well so yeah uh what a yeah. relic a relic yes it seems um, it seems well considered and well thought out. Yeah, it seems like there's a decent amount of depth in the combat and some like skill based stuff. I haven't dug too deep into it yet, but like uh, weapons can have an impact rating, 
And I assume that staggers enemies, it seems to, because I certainly have staggered enemies. Some. I noticed that in my um, my personal playthrough, yeah. Yeah, and like my I'm playing the Gunslinger, and I believe some of those skills add extra impact to shots. I've got a skill. My first skill is if you just tap it, it just randomly, or it basically shoots any enemies. Six, it fires six rounds. It fires six rounds at randomly at any enemies in front of you. But if you hold it down, it'll shoot all six of those shots in one round. <laughs> okay. So I've even had like some of those big ass guys that we had a lot of trouble with coming at me. And if I, if I did the hold down version of that to shoot six rounds and, and I put the flame effect on my gun and I hit the, t- the critical spot, like the, the weak spot on the enemy, mm-hmm. I did like three quarters of the, the big guy's health in one shot. Oh my gosh. Really? And he staggered <laughs> and he staggered. Cause that's the fucker that also throws the exploding shards at you. Okay. Which if you remember those, like makes things super hairy. Cause oh, yeah. Even if you don't get hit with the projectile, it embeds yeah. right near you and then explodes and you're Pretty still quickly. fucked. Yeah. So like having that guy running at me and being able to like almost kill him one shot and stagger him to get some space, like it it seems really cool with some of the stuff you can do, like kind of stacking abilities and hitting skill shots and stuff like that. I, I enjoyed what we played. We should go back in and do some yeah. more. Yeah, um, I'm down. It seems um, like world progression is on the host, but character progression is you take it with you. So that's all. Yeah, I, I guess they're probably just like locking the world state in stone when you start your game. Like when Alex started, like he's, you know, his distribution of, you know, which version of each dungeon are we going to get? Which puzzle is going to be in there? Like stuff like that is probably all just fixed. So in Remnant 1, they make very clear you could just re-roll your world. Um, right. They, they yes. have like a, a thing that's like, hey, do you want to just re-roll your world and that'll yeah. So I'm sure it's a seed, or I would assume it's yeah. like a seed yeah. that it's built from, and you just and, re- and, change the seed. Yeah, and you'll get different bosses. Like again, I, I like I said, maybe maybe by the end of the playthrough you'll have seen every boss there is to see, but maybe not. You know, like that's kind of how it. You know, game development is so arduous; it seems crazy to <laughs> devise a system where people aren't going. Like you want to wring every bit of sure. value out of all the work you put into the game, right? But like people may not actually see everything. Yeah. Maybe it's a pool on, that like, you yeah. know, it's, it's plucking from. And then once that boss is pulled out, maybe you don't see it again. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I am very excited to play more of it. I'm very impressed with it so far, but I'm now I'm in this spot where like, I want to play more of it, but I think we should save it for the stream. Well, it is nice that you'll see something different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that, is, that is kind of cool, but I don't, I haven't looked up and we should probably just check what scaling is like uh, if somebody gets too far ahead or, or further ahead than somebody else, what the enemy scaling and, and how they handle those sorts of things. Um, because if it's not done super well, we could be in trouble. Yeah. 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 I, I will say why. So I went, like I said, I went and ran that side dungeon again in my world. All the, all the armor was the same. I got the same crown and the same armor set at the end. So did you get a uh, dupe? Uh, it just gives you mats when you pick it up instead. Cause you already okay. have it. Uh, just, just generic crafting mats, but I did find one new ring I didn't have already. Ooh. Um, and a couple of shards dropped for my relic. Okay. So, so it is worth doing content again, if you've already done it in a multiplayer game. Uh, last thing I'll say that I really appreciate, and this seems to be the same from in remnant from the ashes, from what I played that maybe I didn't remember, or maybe I did, uh, shared loot, which is just fantastic in a game like this. One person picks a thing up, everybody just gets it. No rolling for loot, or no, like, hey, no come, fuss. or like, no, hey, come over here and make sure you get all the shards that are on the ground, or the metal materials. Like, one person picks it up, and everybody just gets it in their inventory, which is which is real nice. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, hey, don't, I pop this chest, everybody needs to run over and go get all the um, crafting items. That, that's cool. 
yeah also last thing I'll, it's, it's nice to see unreal five games hitting to be able to run around and like play with some of that stuff like there's no it's very subtle kind of surprised how little you notice it or don't notice it because it's not there but no level of detail popping in mm, when you run around not that i ever noticed not that no there is none i mean that's yeah. the way that that, that that engine works like they have finally fully eliminated the run closer to a thing and see the higher detail thing pop in um not that the not that the sight lines are super long in that game you don't get like mm-hmm. um, i mean you don't get you don't get like super long vistas or anything like that but but you can like fix your eyes on a point like way off as far as you can see and just run at it and you'll like never see you know you're getting the high detail version of everything at every distance it's it's super cool like I said, it looks nice, and I, I don't even think I appreciated how nice it looks until I loaded it up from the ashes and was like, "Oh yeah, this yeah. is mm-hmm. yeah." It's a the lighting big is also very good. Like every you, you have a flashlight by default, and like I said, we got that crown that is yeah. a cool it casts like a like cool watery teal sort of crystally glow around it everywhere, and that stuff on the shadows look super nice. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm gonna continue trying to play from the ashes, uh, and we should just jump back into Remnant Two. There's also like a ton of story there that um you know I didn't I don't think I tried to watch like a primer video, and it was an hour long. Uh, I felt like I was watching a Destiny lore video. There's yeah, a- go back go back and talk to that guy who's stuck to the wall that we saw. <laughs> yeah, and, like, that's right. Yeah, go through every conversation option with him. It's like ten minutes of dialogue. Okay. Yeah, I probably have to do that as well. Remnant Two. Uh, out now, uh, available on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S and the PC. No PS4 and no Xbox One. So um, just be aware of that, too. The price of UE5, I guess. Uh, it's only 50 bucks on PC. I'm kind of surprised. I Actually, it was the f- first game maybe launched at 40 I feel like I remember. I want to say it wasn't It wasn't a $60 yeah. game. It certainly wasn't yeah. $70. Um, yeah, yeah I... Yeah, I think this is probably better with people. Not that you couldn't enjoy it by yourself, but I think with with a crew, this this game is pretty rad. Seems pretty good, and a three player at that. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back and talk about even more video games. Stick around. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Rad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions, and at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to, I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day. My busy schedule. Your time, which is worth more than anything, to find those subscriptions and cancel. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way. 
by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. All right, we're back, and we're going to start running down some games here. First one I think I want to hear about here, Alex Navarro. Yes. The Banished Vault. Yeah. This uh, is, a, this yeah, is an interesting a, one. Tell me about it, because I, I started looking into this. You mentioned you were going to uh, play it, and I started looking into it, and then I was like, mm, I'm not sure I'm ready to invest in this. I, I had the exact same reaction when I saw <laughs> footage of this. I'm, it, well, we're, we're about to hear if it's cool or not, but man. I, I do think it's cool. I think it might be one of those games that I end up appreciating more than enjoying. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm far enough into it to make a firm decision on that yet, but my experience with it so far has been fairly punishing, though that is very much by design. Uh, so this is a space strategy game, is the most broad spectrum, like completely detail-free description of this I can give. <laughs> um, the setup for it is that it is a very Dune-like uh, universe, which is to say that you know humanity has made their way to the stars, but in very much a uh, we are colonizing using these giant space monastery uh, sort of you know contraptions and 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 ships, uh, and you know we've supposedly made our way through all corners of the galaxy. Though the one that you are playing uh, apparently ran afoul of something they are effectively calling the gloom. Okay. Uh, which you know, uh, in the grand scheme of things, is basically uh, a thing that even your god can't handle. Um, so you're you're kind of you're trying to escape. Your your remaining survivors of whatever happened with the gloom uh, are trying to escape and find your way back to some form of civilization, so you can kind of tell your story of what happened. Um, you are given. So the tutorial, I will say, is not bad. You do have to do some reading. It is like we give you a manual, basically, and you have to read through it. We're not giving you a bunch of prompts as you go. Mm -hmm. um, but it does give you the basic outline of what you're actually doing, which is to say you are arriving in a solar system. You are mining resources that you need uh, either to propel your ship, uh, to replenish the faith of your remaining survivors, uh, or to put them into stasis in order to go to the next solar system. Um, stasis is a, a substance they use that basically, like, they need that in order to hibernate between solar jumps. Okay. So um, is, is it, like, the equivalent of, like, refueling or charging an engine kind of thing? Like, if you, you have to have enough stasis to make the jump? You have to have enough stasis for all of your, your survivors. Okay. Um, and it is not a that is not a resource that can be mined. That is one that has to be created out of other resources that you do mine. Okay. Which range from like, you know, iron and water are kind of your biggest, most base level ones. And then you're also getting like titanium and carbon dioxide and a bunch of other things. Some of which can be combined into other things that you need. Some of which you just need to make fuel or other like very necessary resources. And the way each solar system is sort of built out is that it's like a little puzzle. It is a puzzle of figuring out resource management, uh, placing people where they need to be to build stuff and to mine stuff and to manufacture stuff, uh, and also making sure you don't die. <laughs> well, that's a good one. And that is very hard. Every solar system usually has a few different paths you can go down. There is an amount of fuel uh, you need to get to every one of those locations on the star map um, or on the planetary map. 
And to land, you need stronger engines, which are less efficient uh, than the ones you just need to kind of bop around from place to place. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you're swapping engines to, in order to make sure you're not overusing fuel. Um, it's Is there it's a ticking a, clock with the gloom like approaching? or There is a number of days you are allowed to be in this solar system before I think uh, the, the gloom encroaches on you. And the thing is, I have never made it to that because I keep running into situations where I have done bad math uh, and I will end up in a situation where my ship doesn't have any fuel. I don't know how to get stuff between here and the vault. Uh, bad stuff just kind of keeps happening. Again, I'm fairly early on. I think once you kind of get a better handle on the systems, it's a little easier to not bomb out immediately. But I will say this game has very big oh, you better be ready for this shit energy the second you jump into it. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at earlier. Like the second, like you just the screenshots themselves really make that clear. It's like, hey, yes. there are, I don't think they're actual cards, but they kind of look like cards. There are dice in here. There are just like numbers and it's a lot. It's, it's extremely a strategy game. It has it, the feel of a board game that has extended yes. too far into the universe. You know, like it has become too strong. I, the descriptions I saw were like Euro worker placement board game yes. vibes. Yeah. Uh, yes. And I also saw one description or one person comment that it has a calculator, built-in calculator in it, and you're probably going to use it. Which was, <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Which is kind of intense. But um, it's it's really interesting is the way I, I'm, I'm approaching it at this point, which is to say that I am definitely feeling like having to resist a little bit of like, a, this is too much brain power. I don't want to do this right now uh, because I think there's something really cool here. Mm. Um, you know, visually, it is not a stunner, but I think the character art on the cards and some of the little flourishes here and there are really nice. Um, the music is good. It has a vibe. That vibe is a little bit oppressive, but that is very much by design. Um, this is definitely a game that I feel like you just need to get into a groove with, and that takes time, and you have to be willing to fail over and over and over again, because it's a game that does random seeds. You know, every time you start a new campaign, it's, it gives you one of the thousands of seeds they have, you know, randomly assigns you a bunch of survivors, and they just say, go. And so you need to be willing to say... These first 20 runs are going to be abject failures, and that's okay. It's intense. The The Banished Vault, it is 25 bucks on Steam right now. Um, looking to see if it is slated to come anywhere else. Here, here's a question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe is a, a slightly naive. Would you say that Dune and 40K have some pronounced similarities, in, in, I think at least in tone or... or Yes, they're, they're they're both like space. They're they're like both future humans exploring space, but they're very religious kind of vibe. I'd say one is the meathead version of the other. Okay, like I think Warhammer is kind of the meathead uh, space religion, whereas Dune you. is the kind of woo woo uh, hippie space. You know, concepts. Is this, is this some kind of like Catholic Protestant split here? I mean, it's it's more the ver it's more the uh, I'd say the pastel ribbon versus psychedelics. You know, like right. it is the it is the meat and potatoes fucking space religion. Just everyone has machine guns versus the you can do space karate with your mind, uh, and everyone's on that fucking dust. Uh, <laughs> of, you know, of, space religion. Yeah, one of one of them is more distinctly Roman than the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd say like 
like they're both a little gothic, right? At least uh, some of the representations of yeah. Dune. Warhammer's health goth though. It's uh, health or hell. Health goth, because the thing is, like, you have to be pretty uh, worked out to fucking get into one of those armor units and actually get it to move. <laughs> oh, oh, I just meant like more like literal gothic, um, like cathe- flying like cathedrals art, in art space. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, look, Warhammer has chain swords, and yes. uh, and Dune has like the way, right? Like the it, weirding the, way. Yeah, the weirding way, which I feel like that's maybe or like you know. Uh, a little more metaphysical or a little more uh, philo- philosophical bent where Warhammer is like space Marines on the ground, chopping bugs in half for, yes. for the emperor, for the emperor God, right? Like yeah. the, yes. The individual rounds that this gun shoots are the size of soda cans <laughs> and they explode. Right. Uh, where I feel like Dune's universe is a little more of like, what if we move this piece on the board here mm-hmm. and like, you know, like a little more political intrigue. Yes. Um, uh, not more figurative backstabbing and Warhammer literal backstabbing with some yeah, with uh, a chainsaw it, well, chaos knife. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Uh, both great. Yeah. Just, well, just absorb all of it. All of it. All thousand books of it. Uh, the uh, banished vault. Yes. Currently, currently out now. I'd say uh, if uh, if it sounds like it's up your alley, it probably is. But just make mm-hmm. sure you know what you're getting yourself into with that one. Yeah, like, go check it out. Uh, check it out. I'm impressed by it, if nothing else. Uh, let's take a second here. I'm gonna um, I don't know if segue really from the banished vault into Oxenfree, but um, I'm gonna talk a minute about Oxenfree Two, which just came out. I went and uh, finished both Oxenfree. And Oxen Free Two, uh, both games. Let's, let's start with the first one. How'd you feel about it? I loved it. Yeah, it's really I, cool, right? I genuinely was all in, start to finish. Finished it, and then finished the new game plus that I guess they added later on into it. Um, yeah, big fan. Um, thumbs up. Uh, uh, both playthroughs, uh, pretty fun. Fairly short game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like six to eight hours or something. It may, if that maybe. Yeah. Uh, and I got uh, the first run through. I tried to get all the collectibles. The second run through did not get everything, but um, also was very satisfied with my endings, multiple endings in both of these games. Uh, Oxen Free Two did not love as much. Okay. Uh, I thought the the kind of thing about Oxen Free that really hooked me was the, the kind of banter and interplay with these teenagers and and the kind of unraveling the mystery of what's happening on this weird island, the spooky island. Mm-hmm. A lot of that seemed to be gone in Oxen Free 2. You're, you're mostly communicating over a shortwave radio, literally to other people. Uh, mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of radio stuff in the first one, but this is literally like uh, CB radio style communicating to people. You do have somebody you're walking around with a lot, but I feel like the group dynamic was lost, and I, I kind of missed that. Uh, also the island is bigger, but also that makes it feel like it's a little more tedious, of, a little more running around than maybe you would like. Yeah. And that was not my favorite part of oxen free. I really just wanted to get to the next, uh, dialogue checkpoint to mm-hmm. kick things off. The, um, oxen free too, I think explores more, um, adult kind of, um, existential questions, uh, where, Oxen Free, the first one, is maybe a little more lighthearted in that realm. I mean, there's some existential dread happening, but mm-hmm. not kind of like 
ennui or like, what am I even doing here? Why do I even go on? Well, it's a little uh, bit of that, like that almost Firewatch thing of like, here are some characters that are very much like kind of detached from the larger world, and you know they're kind of just finding their way into this weird, shitty job that they've decided to do, and you know all the spooky stuff starts happening to them. Yeah, but like these are definitely like these characters have a little bit of a burnout feel to them. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know you explore some of that and, and realize why and and what paths they're on, and they've had life before that, and. I, I just felt less satisfied when I was at the end of Oxenfree 2 than I really, and this is saying I really liked Oxenfree. So yeah. that it's not saying Oxenfree 2 is terrible by any means. Just saying it, compared to what I just played in Oxenfree, the first one, uh, I was I was less satisfied when I when I reached the conclusion. Like I don't, I, I didn't feel like I wanted to go explore the multiple endings in Oxenfree 2. Okay. Uh, I will say I, I've heard from some people who played both that they felt like two wrapped up well, even if they didn't love what was kind of in the the build up in that game. I haven't gotten far enough into, into it to see the ending yet, but I did play a little bit more of it. Yeah, I think I'm kind of with you. I don't like I'm not vibing with these characters quite as much as I did with the first game, but I don't think they're bad or anything. I no. just not, I'm just not as invested. Yeah, like the first one has a much more hey teens teens got into some bad shit vibe uh, over their head, and this one feels a little more of like oh you had some baggage coming into this, uh, yeah, and we're exploring that more than we're exploring the problems with the ghosts on an island. Yes, um, and and it does wrap up neater, I'll say, or more neatly. But I think I kind of liked some of the questions posed in Oxenfree at the wrap up more than I did at the end of Oxenfree too. So, uh, fun game. Still fairly short, maybe a little uh, more tedious in spots, especially if you're going to go and collect everything, uh, the pages of journals and stuff, because there's a lot of backtracking and running around and navigating screens in Oxenfree 2. That is also out now. That came out earlier this month, I think, pretty much on everything. Maybe not Xbox? I don't think it came to Xbox yet. Yeah. We we talked about that last time, right? Oddly Un- missing from Xbox. Unclear as to why. Uh, that's also, you know, we talked about this last time with Auction Free 2. Uh, as promoted now on both Auction Free and Auction Free 2, a Netflix studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Night, Night School? Uh, Night School. Night School. Night School. A Netflix studio. Uh, let's talk about another big one out here uh, in the wilds. Pikmin 4. Yeah, uh, I've put a lot of time into Pikmin Four um, so far, and it is extremely Pikmin at its core, but also very different than other Pikmin. So I've played pretty much every Pikmin, I think, or at least three of them, if, uh, and I've played the re-releases that have come out. Uh, first things first, I'll say the co-op is different than I expected. I think I might have mentioned this previously, but um, somewhere it's. Um, it's not like two characters playing at the same time. Local co-op, I should say. It's one character has like a, a turret. Uh, you're kind of off screen. You got a reticule kind of like Mario Galaxy where you can shoot star bits at things. It's a little more like that. Extremely helpful mm. to the point where you might want to just turn the co-op on and have a controller next to you because you basically get a machine gun to just <laughs> mow down enemies whenever you want at a oh distance. My. Yeah, and you start racking up uh, secondary items that are only available in co-op, like healing items and stuff. So uh, when I was playing with my son, sometimes I would just leave the co-op on after he stopped playing or something because I could just drop a bunch of items that would then go away if we left co-op. 
Uh, is there's it, a is it um, like analog stick driven? It's not motion control for I, aiming, right? I can't remember if you could turn on the motion control. Like you're, to you're aim. making me you're making me think of the co-op thing from Mario Galaxy. Yeah, that's exactly player. what it's is, like. Is that literally what it is? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it's like. Um, where you're just shooting star bits at things, but right. but maybe more helpful. Uh, because you can not only shoot enemies from afar that then don't aggro the player, so you can kind of just pick off enemies from afar. You can shoot the Pikmin as they're as they're um, transporting to make them go faster. Uh, so it's pretty useful. The only problem with it is the uh, player one has complete camera control, so you're constantly, you know, it's like when you're doing a turret sequence and somebody else is driving, and you're like, you got to turn around, you just turn the camera. I can't shoot here, and so a little bit of that. Uh, a lot more mini game ish segments in this than have been in previous Pikmin games. There is a whole thing called Dondori, uh, which is, uh, I don't know if it's a real thing. I assume it is a real thing in, uh, in Japanese culture where you're trying to efficiently plan out your tasks. Uh, and they have all these other quote unquote, let's say Pikmin style players. Uh, at least I've only played against CPU where you're competing to get as many points as possible, basically to efficiently get the things in your world they're competitive battles um that's neat i burn out on them if there are too many in a row uh and kind of start skipping them then there's also tower defense like battles at nighttime you can participate in where mm-hmm. uh you are uh with a unique set of pikmin the glowy pikmin i don't know if you've seen them in um, uh, bonus or promotional materials and you're defending these bases from enemies that are coming and you kind of have to set up defenses not necessarily like traps at least we're on that but you can split the party into you know defensive zones again very helpful to have another player on a turret basically while that's all happening sounds cool uh like yeah tower defense yeah it's it's pretty light where i'm at in that in that but i don't know if it'll get uh, more involved later that, the, that still sounds cool because like when i my first question about this game was going to be like Yo, it's still Pikmin, right? Like, so hearing that they have layered some other stuff that's not just Pikmin on sounds. So the other kind of big things in this are it's got more of a um, I'm gonna say role playing element to it. Uh, I might be using that term pretty loosely, but you you are getting more and more items by collecting uh, um, other characters that are bringing back to your base, and they're unlocking other missions. So you're basically building a base out. Uh, and then you're getting items that you can spend money on and resources on to kind of augment your character and build, you know, kind of a light, light-ish role-playing way. You're not like dropping points necessarily, but you are equipping items that make your character possibly play differently than another character. Yeah, that, that all sounds good because in my mind, Pikmin is still just roll around with a gang of Pikmin and throw them at things to make them do a thing to the thing. Yeah, it's, and, it's, and that's it's, it. It's so. essentially that, and then there's layers on top of that to kind of ease things because you're in the fourth version of this, right? Like, um, I bought an item fairly recently. And it was like, yeah, you know what? Just blow this goddamn whistle and all the idle Pikmin will come to you. <laughs> and it's like, thank God, because I don't need to go back to the home base to collect idle Pikmin anymore or send my dog to go do it. And you just blow that damn whistle and they all just run over to you. Uh, stuff like that. Or, hey, blow, buy this other item and they'll all just go back to home base. Like Those are things that make the game much more palatable to play, especially on the fourth iteration of it. Uh, the time pressure seems to at least be gone. I don't know if you remember from previous games. You do have a ticking clock. This one is a little weird, and I'll, I'll just kind of explain this in, in multiple steps here, but quickly. One, 
it doesn't seem like the campaign has an overall ticking clock, which previous previous Pikmin games seem to have. Whether it's food running out, or if you remember that, hey, you got to make sure you, you squeeze yeah. juice and stuff, or or and to keep the thing going. That seems to not be a, a case. You know, you can let the days go by, and I haven't seen any penalty for that. The other thing is when you're in the overworld and there's the day clock running before it becomes nighttime. If you go into sub dungeons, which seem to be new here, time just about all but freezes. It moves very slowly. So you can be near the end of a day, jump into one of these mini dungeons and work through that for kind of as long as you want and then pop back out. So the time pressure seems to have been if not ameliorated, kind of done with. I haven't felt it uh, that bad in, in terms of resource management and stuff like that. So I'm enjoying it a lot more. You're, uh, then, then three? Or? Yeah. Then, okay. uh, then the other Pikmin games that usually I start pretty high in a Pikmin game, and then it gets a little like, oh my gosh, we're just doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, this feels like as I'm going, I'm progressing, unlocking cooler things that make the experience easier. Not easier, but like less tedious, let's say. Um, there are still puzzles. There are still parts where you're like, I have the wrong Pikmin. I don't have the onion for these Pikmin yet. And I want to go find this. So there's still challenge and, and things there, but the tedium gets out of the way. Whereas I feel like in the last games, they were like, that's the game, man. If you don't like the game, stop playing Pikmin. There is definitely a contingent of people I've seen who are very like, they got rid of the timer. How dare they? Oh, really? Uh, Interesting. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, uh, what was the, what was the the big pushback? Was it Dead Rising where the, the timer? Dead Rising was (laughs) the one where also people got very huffy when they took out that stuff. Yeah, I can see it. You know, I'm not a big Pikmin fan, but I am a big Dead Rising fan. (laughs) And I would say that the timer was pretty integral to the Dead Rising. I see what would drive somebody to feel antsy yeah, about that i personally don't care but like, like sure. but if you didn't if you didn't think the timer was a good or you know <laughs> like necessary part of pikmin then that's fine well it's funny because they have this very big strain of work efficiently get as much done but there doesn't seem to be a big consequence at least in the main game for not doing that because you could take as many days as you want but they do they do have these challenges i have not competed in any of um the outside the main game challenges, I, th- I guess you can play other players, you know, in that uh, Dundori challenge stuff, but I haven't done any of that. Not interested. It's, the, it's weird. Like the, the prevailing vibe I have seen around this is just like it's kind of casting Pikmin as like the little Nintendo franchise that could. I feel like everybody's just treating it like, like the Nintendo series that time forgot. And yet, oh, Pikmin! Look at Pikmin you. is still after probably God. It's probably been twenty years now, right? Pikmin is still just trundling along. Here we are yet again. Like they just come, come and go. I don't know. Like, yeah. that's kind of the way people have been reacting to this. It's like, oh, another Pikmin. I like a Pikmin. Pikmin doesn't for me. Pikmin doesn't rate up there. It's not a Kirby. It's not a. It's certainly not a Mario, Zelda, Metroid. But it, I don't even know if it's a. It's like a Kirby level franchise that's like you know oh we're where is the where is the where are the people making online protests for pikmin and it's like eh, i don't know they're there but i mm-hmm. love they're out i there. enjoy pikmin a lot i think is it miyamoto who said like has there's like loves pikmin like it's like um, fa- one of his favorites well it's so the series has been attributed to him for ages but i actually i should have looked at this i saw a headline going around this past week that like like oh maybe the lineage of 
of Pikmin is not as d- does not point as directly to Miyamoto as everyone thinks. Like I could believe it. There were other creatives there who may have been more. It wasn't him working in his garden, imagining the uh, little. <laughs> that, that was the vibe around. back then. Yeah. Absolutely, it was like, yeah. oh, Miyamoto loves to garden, and now we have this game. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that was a story that came out. Like I, yeah. like I read that. Uh, I love Pikmin. I I I am also somebody who likes to collect stuff, and so just mm-hmm. having little Pikmin run around grabbing little items and collecting everything on a level really triggers the part in my brain that releases a bunch of dopamine or chemicals. So that's uh, that's good for me. I okay. There was also this is the other reason I was thinking this. There was an ask the developer uh, that Nintendo posted recently where Miyamoto was talking about the fact that Pikmin doesn't sell super great and kind of pontificated as to why. Yeah. Um, I they see, still keep you, making them. You don't get a lot of Pikmin, and you don't get a lot of Pikmin side stuff, right? It's not like there are. It's not like every other Nintendo franchise where, look, Pikmin. Olimar winds up in Smash Brothers, sure, but it's not like we're getting Pikmin side stories. You get maybe a maybe an additional DLC or something. Uh, but I, I enjoy this one. Uh, I'm gonna probably keep going with it. I've like 100%ed three worlds or two worlds, maybe two and a half worlds. It's gonna keep moving. I don't know how long it is. Um, I'll probably just keep going until it wears out its welcome. Until I hit that rut in it. That's like. Oh, now we're I've got everything. I'm just doing the same thing over and over again. And then I'll come back to it on like the re-release like I do with every other Pikmin. Now I'm just throwing 20 red ones at this apple. That's exactly right. Yes. Um Pikmin out now. Uh let's see. Let's move on to Sea of Thieves, The Legend of Monkey Island. Alex Navarro, we uh joined shipmate Abby Russell in Sea of Thieves. Well, Mostly you did. Yes, that's right. Yeah, you were there uh, in spirit. I tried. Uh, I tried. It d- didn't quite make it. Uh, this was during the be- the dark internet days. Uh, sea of Thieves, uh, Legend of Monkey Island, the first tall tale is out. I forget exactly how many there are. Maybe four? There are planned to be four. But the first one is out. I did not realize that this was just going to be an adventure game. Yeah, I, I, I saw people going like, oh my god, this thing is amazing. They literally turned Sea of Thieves into an adventure game, which yep. now makes me wonder. I was I was out when that stream happened, but now it makes me wonder if I should just go play it by myself, because that sounds awesome. You could totally do it. It's not combat-focused. There's like a minor bit of combat. It is mostly... like It's one of those things where, honestly, if you had four people, it might be kind of boring, uh, because one person could solve all the puzzles. Like Abby was very good at finding stuff. I had a great time doing it, but I was wondering like, Oh, if all four of us were out here, it's one person just finding a thing and then cashing it in while the other people are looking in a different area and, and missing what's going on and feeling missing, like exactly get the experience. That's exactly right. Yeah. So with two people, it was great because Abby would just be like, Hey, I found the thing. Come over here. Right. Um, so yeah, you're basically just heading over, uh, not hard to get into it. Like it just sets you right up Go through a portal. You're on the island. I forgot the name of the island, but it is the monkey. It's not Monkey Island, but it is the island from Monkey Island. Um, and it's goofy and dumb in the ways that Monkey Island are. Guybrush is there. It's um, it's and you're doing. You're getting items to solve puzzles on the island. Some of them are fairly obtuse. Whether that's in the spirit of Monkey Island, I not necessarily here to say it's kind of annoying when things are Mm. a little too obtuse um 
There is one part of the gating mechanic I did not like, which is you kind of have to find enough currency. This is kind of how they stop you from sequence breaking. You kind of have to find enough money to buy the next item you need sometimes to, to make the puzzle go forward. And to get some of that money, you just have to open crates that are scattered throughout the island. So if you miss a crate and you're like four pieces of eight away, it's kind of a slog to just scour the island for the one crate you missed. And, and it, that was kind of annoying. Uh, but aside from that, a lot of fun. Fairly short. One of those things, though, Brad, I'll say if you're going to play it, we missed like two or three, maybe more achievements in it. Like we did, remember when we played oh. the other one? And so it was one of the things where you have to go back. Play it again to make sure you get all of the, if you're looking to get the complete set, you know, of uh, achievements in it. But fun. That's cool. It's maybe my favorite one that we've played so far because it is just an adventure game. I mean, it's such an obvious tie-in, but still, like I saw Danny posting on Twitter, like, I I don't have history with Monkey Island, so I don't have this nostalgia, but I think he does love that franchise. Like, he was doing some basically side-by-side comparisons between this and the original games. Like, the level of detail they put into recreating some of the scenes from those mm. like literally like the EGA original like the 16 color game you know it's like it's like oh that that purple starfish is in the same place you know what i mean yeah like they, they seem to have really gone for it for the people that would actually care uh and that's awesome like that's like look microsoft if you want to curry favor after looking like the giant black hole that's absorbing everything in the games industry Fund a bunch more weird little shit like this. Sea of Thieves, like, Pirates, just, exclamation point. Just create an entire Hearts of Minds division and then hire me to run it. There you go. Stop. Don't just go on stage wearing a Hexen t-shirt anymore. <laughs> Commission a new Hexen. Or Are you saying... Not even a new Hexen, because I think like a modern, like... I don't know, maybe you could do a Doom 2016 style reboot of Heretic or Hexen. Also, it should be Heretic first. Hexen was the second one. <laughs> For the but, low, like, low price of... I don't know, let's say $65 billion. Microsoft mm-hmm. could buy Brad Shoemaker as right. Hearts and Minds ambassador. Yeah. You know, just like do a bunch of little stuff, you know, like like maybe not a full-on new Hexen at scale, but like some little downloadable thing or something or a tie-in somewhere. Or, some synergy, you know, some cross-pollination. Don't, don't just mention King's Quest in an interview, you know? Mm-hmm. Like come up with something cool there. Like this, I mean, this is a great example, though, of like you know, granted the rights of monkey Island are a different story. That's not like they're getting those or anything, but you know what I mean? It's like, they didn't need to necessarily go try to do a whole big new monkey Island product, but like, here is a very obvious way to just get a little more of it out there. Yeah. In this other piratical venue. It's a great fit. Yeah. Uh, and, and well done and unexpectedly well done because, um, we've done a decent amount of that sea of thieves seasonal stuff. And this was different enough and had all the things I like about that game without the weird combat encounters and stuff that I don't like. It's puzzle solving. Yeah. What, uh, yeah. They, they should play directly to my nostalgia is what I'm saying. Is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Just, just feed direct tap into Brad's brain. Uh, I can do something with geometry wars. <laughs> <laughs> you're bringing it home. <laughs> Oh, boy. You're bringing who, it back into the fold. Who, Call it Stephen Cake, Cake Bread. Who has Bizarre Creations stuff? Well, um... Is that, like, Activision? Yes. Well, they definitely have Geometry Wars. They would have everything, right? I don't know. Did they Do just... They? they bought... God, I can't I can't believe I'm forgetting. Like, we're getting too old. Yeah. Should like not who's, be forgetting details yeah. like this. They did buy Bizarre outright, right? I yeah, because Blur was them. But it was, it was like... 
it was under the Activision. It was a studio yes. under Activision at that yes. point. Okay. Bring back Blur. Blur's a hell of a kart racer. Yeah, Blur's cool. Well, kart racer. It's a kart racer. Uh, all right. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it was literally was just like, hey, it's basically a kart racer except real cars. Yeah. I like that. Look, it's real driving that. with a red shell. Mm-hmm. It looked, that game would look sick with some HDR, I think. Um, Brad, the part I wanted, I've been kind of most excited to talk to you about. You said you finished Viewfinder. Yeah, I finished what, Viewfinder. What did you think in your conclusion of Viewfinder? That game is great. That game you, is People great. should play that game. Uh, did it hold up? Yeah, yeah. like I, it's, it's hard to add to what I said last week without just talking about late game mechanics or story. <laughs> Honestly, like it takes a melancholy turn. Yeah, I would say. Narratively, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the mechanics I'm keep building. I feel like, like right, like yeah, the mechanics yeah. like, build again, into I'm, a crescendo. Again, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think around how to talk about stuff. Like, I, I like the the kind of we said last week. It was sort of one new mechanic per hub or world, but I actually mm-hmm. felt like it was kind of like two or three per toward the end. Interesting. Okay, it was like see again. Like I'm talking very vaguely. The purple thing, the, like the purple stuff, is a thing. Uh huh. But then there's something else they stick in with the purple thing at the sure. same time for part of them. There are compounding. Yes. That's, uh, yes. Uh, it's mechanics. like, like, like new mechanics will kind of come and go for like, Oh, this, I just did a block of four puzzles and yeah, there was a new thing I hadn't seen before. Those were more timing based and you haven't really been asking me to do timing based stuff before. That's cool. Yeah. But again, never, never really overstays its welcome. Yep. Uh, and then you get to the very end and I definitely see what you meant about the last Hitman three level. <laughs> it's a, it's a weird, a little change. Also, up. also felt like kind of the challenge from the witness conceptually in the sense mm-hmm. that like, Hey, you've been doing these things mostly your leisure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have that leisure anymore. Now, <laughs> now you have to go like, now you have to do these things on the fly. Now you need to, it's different. It's different enough. Make, make some stuff happen. Rapidly. Yeah. I feel like it's different enough, but also is just kind of building on everything else you've learned there, right? Yeah, and and yeah. I enjoyed it. And actually, narratively, I think the game uh, makes good on what on the what it sets up. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Like the story has resolution, but it doesn't. It's hard to explain. Like the, it, it's handled well. You know, it's handled well. Yeah, it's like the kind of well again. It's hard to say. But there is a story thing without saying yeah. too much. Like there, uh, what I, I guess what I would like to drive home is it's got good mechanics, but I think there's enough narrative propellant there as well to, to kind of uh, run parallel to those fun mechanics. I like, yeah. I wanted to see what, how this was going to end up both from the puzzle side and from the narrative side, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, they kind of, even when things don't have a resolution, they still have a resolution. I feel like kind of, um, and, and there are still some very clever things with the, the base mechanics, like right up until like the last hour. Yeah. There's still, you remember the big picture frames? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm trying to think exactly what you're, that you walk through. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. Like yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Like that stuff's right near the end and it's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah. You only use that for, I think two puzzles, <laughs> maybe three tops. Yeah. And then it's, you never touched it again. Like, that's amazing. You came up with something that cool and then just barely used it. It's neat. I think, uh, I, I think folks should check it out. I hope it comes to, uh, a bunch more platforms because, um, it, it will probably at this point, I think it's, it's feeling like this would make it on a list for me at the end of the year. Oh, for sure, it's, yes. it's like a yes. very novel and <laughs> novel 
bite-sized and very good. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, like... A, a, I think the game is very good, and B, we've also maybe gotten a little more distance from the glut of first-person puzzles, puzzle-type games. I, I like we're far enough removed from Portal and the games that it spawned and everything that I'm, like, excited to check one of those out again. I can't, I can't overstate, like, uh, just not over, not overstaying the mechanic, not overstaying yeah. the welcome, yeah. uh, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, having a price point to, to match, right? Like, it's, it's not like, Oh, uh, you know, it's hard to recommend because it's so expensive and it's a, you know, maybe not the value is not there. I think this is, I think this hits all those marks. Uh, that's viewfinder currently out on uh PlayStation and PC, uh, came out, what July 18th. I have written in my notes here. We are going to take a break. Unless there's anything else. Yeah, that's a, that's a yeah, bunch of games. That's all I got yeah. right now. Yeah, look, that's a lot. Still, still playing final fantasy 16. Yeah. <laughs> if you just, want to know, right, I haven't been bringing ch- it up. Away. Just plotting through it. It's your background game. Kind uh, of, yeah. Yeah. Games I got some weird highs and lows. <laughs> I know I'm not the only one that feels this way. I saw a lot of people say similar things, but some of the, some of the stretches in between the big over the top story beats, the big dragon ball kaiju fights and stuff like that kind of drag a little bit let's say it's still a game i would like to come back to yeah you should check it out i would like to hear what you think of it i i probably i won't mention it on here again until i finish it i think that's probably the only reasonable i know i would have trouble not doing the side stuff so that that intimidates me a little bit it's it's beyond just the side stuff being a little tedious it's it's even like some of the story Mm. beats they're hardly beats, but you know, occasionally it's like, Oh, I did the big thing. And it's like, Oh wait, now you want me to go back there again and mm. do what? And this seems like not super important, <laughs> but I just spent an hour doing it. Okay. Uh, do you like, have an uh, hour count ish in your head or, or um, actually printed out? Like, uh, if you had to guess, are you, would you say you're in the thirties to forties? 25, 25. Okay. If I had to guess, maybe pushing 30. All right. Um, Yeah. We'll, we'll see. I mean, we're getting close to Baldur's Gate coming out and a bunch of other stuff releasing, so clear it away. Um, speaking of clear it away. Check it out in November. November, when, when it's quiet. Not much. I'm not saying that sarcastically, when it's quiet. Uh, clearing the way. We're going to clear the way for a second here, and we'll be back with the news in just a moment. This week's show is brought to you by Factor. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. Do you guys know what factor is? <laughs> I do. I thought you were about to ask if I knew what food is. Do you also know what food is? I've heard of it. It sounds and cool. Do you know what food can be? Factor's here. Factor is here to tell you what food is and can be. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. We've gotten some Factor before. I've actually mm-hmm. found it to be quite tasty and delicious and convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, you can put it in the toaster oven, put it in the microwave. I did the toaster oven. It was ready. I think in the toaster oven, it was ready between like 10, 15 minutes. Pretty quick. You can choose from over 34 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals, ready to eat in two minutes. You can level up with Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Ooh, you can treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, 
and asparagus. Not that regular butter, truffle butter. Round out your meals and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of over 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, ooh, potato, bacon, and egg breakfast skillet. Oh, man, oh, Factor, man. What, are you, what are you doing to me, Factor? With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. Head to factormeals.com slash nextlander50 and use code nextlander50 to get 50% off. That's code nextlander50 at factormeals.com slash nextlander50 to get 50% off potato, bacon, and egg breakfast skillet. Thanks, Factor. We are back, and it is time for the news. Brad Shoemaker, you're here to take us on a news journey. Who's excited about news? I love news. Without news, it would just be yesterday. But now without, with news, news, it's today. It would just be olds. <laughs> That's right. And we've got enough of the olds right here. We got uh, three of them. Yeah, right here. Brad, where do you want to start? Consolidation. Who's a fan? Nah. Uh, what are we consolidating? Like, am I getting all my uh, like my D and D stuff together into one spot and putting all the nuts and bolts I have into a big pile, and then I'm going to sort them out? That kind of thing. Your your global video game development studios being concentrated into fewer and fewer gigantic corporations. Oh, I'm going to turn all my pennies into ten cents, and mm-hmm. then uh, yep. see where those oh, ten boy. cents. Oh, yes. no, that doesn't even make sense. It's don't. Don't even acknowledge that. Something, Please. something, pieces of ten. Uh huh. Uh huh. I, I don't know, man. Uh huh. This land of tech. Ahoy. Uh, what uh, what do we got going on here? Let's, let's set sail for. Oh boy. Uh, ten cents is becoming the majority shareholder of Techland, the developer of Dying Light. It's true. That's what they say. Uh, and previously, the studio that created uh, Dead Island, before that shuffled off to a different developer. Um, we've we've had a lot of mergers, acquisitions, team ups, majorities, minority sales. What yeah. uh, any bullet points on here to kind of pluck out? No, they didn't really say like what majority, how what size of majority. Although it really doesn't matter, I guess once you've got the majority, they they say you know hey we're going to retain our creative freedom and keep ownership of all of our IP and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, uh, for those who are not keeping score, ten cents. Owned has their fingers in a lot of different gaming pies here. It's true, uh, and majority in more than I thought. Just quickly here, majority uh, well, te- added Techland to the list. Uh, Tequila Works, Clay, uh, Clay, uh, Clay. Yeah, how did I miss that? Yeah, that was twenty twenty one. So you know, I could see why you might have missed it. It was a busy year. Uh, Jaeger, Fat Shark. I'm not. Who's Mini Clip? I'm not sure. I know who Mini Clip is. Um, and then they've got, you know, look, they've got a 10% stake in Ubisoft. Um, and then they're owned, wholly owned, uh, Riot, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Sumo. They've got 40% of Epic, famously. Yes. Um, so Don't Nod, 22%. Bloober Team, 22%. Marvelous, 20%. They are, they're from software. I remember this. From software, 16%. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're out there. 
Yeah. Anyway, you know, they, they are now in a presumably decision-making capacity of some kind with regard to Techland. I don't know exactly how much. Yeah. But Do you know Techland like have I, something cooking? Um, yeah, I guess I had completely forgot until I read this statement from the founder that they've got an open world fantasy RPG, action RPG in the works, mm. which is a new IP. I don't think they've said like really anything about it. I think they may have, I think they ran some kind of poll recently about whether people would be interested in a dying light three as well. Did, did that kind of battle arena stuff come out for dying light? That DLC. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, that came out last year, I believe. Oh my gosh. I, I'm, really sure last year. <laughs> I'm sure there is more on the way. Like they're, they are much like CD project in that they support the absolute hell out of the games they put out. Okay. Like they were still putting out stuff for dying light, like five years after it came out. Um, apparently they just put out a big update for dying light Two That kind of makes me want to go back to it in the, alternate reality where we have time to go back to old games. What about um, it made you want to go back? They, they've heard me. Uh huh. Although I, I think they had done some of this previously, but it sounds like they went harder because there was a new update that just came out last month where they have basically made night super duper dark. Like you can't see shit. Like it was okay. in the first game where it's actually terrifying again. <laughs> they did hear you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they've also added a like totally reworked parkour mode oh. with a lot more like manual control over, how you sprint and how you grab stuff and canceling out of animations and stuff like that. So like, it sounds like they have like pretty significantly overhauled that game, like pushing it back into hardcore mode. Yeah. Basically. Like they, yeah. they basically say like in so many words, they basically were like, Hey, this is for people who liked how parkour was <laughs> in the first game. Right. So like, frankly, they're making it more like the first game, which is only a good thing. Cause that game rules. Uh, so that is a uh, 10 cents majority share in uh Techland, but not, wholly owned so some other uh i think you mentioned right before we were talking about this techland went public how many years ago like a couple just a couple years ago seems okay. like um brad what do you want to hit next um let's talk about this ubisoft thing sure um i think i think it was jeff grubb let me let me double check this this video games chronicle story i think mentions that grubb uh, had had mentioned maybe last year's time. Yeah, it, it was is last mentioned. year. He, they do mention yeah. him. He had been saying. In fact, I think I remember that going around that Immortals, Phoenix Rising, Ubisoft was looking to turn that into a franchise. Of course, why would why would you make a video? You game don't otherwise? make a video game yeah. now at that scale unless you plan on turning it into a franchise. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're trading in things like uh, ancient mythology that have no licensing fees attached that you uh -huh. want to serialize. Yeah. I mean, that frankly, that's a cool idea. Like the the first Immortals was very Greek mythology focused mm. although some of the dlc focused on other cultures but like apparently they were talking about potentially doing like a hawaiian polynesian mythology style thing like that could have been interesting also that game was cool i don't know did you guys play it no i know you i know you went back and and, yeah. and, and liked it i like didn't it. play it no offense to anyone at ubisoft except the management because who cares about them but as far as the people make the games, the phrase that comes to mind is it's like really cool for a Ubisoft open world game. I hear like I, you. I don't mean that as much of a backhanded compliment as it sounds like, but you know, you know what I mean? Like they're mm -hmm. the poster child of, of the map game, the open world map game with too many icons on it. There's a template they have. Yes. Yeah. So in, like in that context, it was actually felt like a little bit of a departure for them. Like it felt like the, the open world was a little more interesting to explore organically. Like everybody knows they took a bunch of, Breath of the Wild inspiration in that game in multiple ways. But 
of of their recent open world games, it was like the one that I by far had the most fun just kind of flying around and finding things to do in. So what you're saying is you are looking forward to the uh, Immortals franchise. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not doing it anymore. Oh. Oh, which no. Even, which even they have confirmed without actually saying the word Immortals. <laughs> After people started reporting rumors that they had canned the sequel that was in the works, they have responded to requests for comment, basically. I mean, we are redirecting and reallocating creative teams. So, yes. I guess yeah. no more immortals, which that's a bummer. You know, could, maybe maybe it cool. comes back at some point. I don't uh, know. I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. Apparently, did uh, not sell very well at all. I think it picked up a little bit of steam, but it was like very much late in the game after they had steeply discounted. Yes, it. that's that's what the story says. Apparently, it, it like. Sales data is full of holes because you get different reporting for different formats and different territories and stuff. And platforms but, and everything. Yes. Uh, again, on Video Games Chronicle here, they mentioned that it sold in Europe. It sold about 70% less than Assassin's Creed Valhalla in the same time. Yeah. I mean, the Video Game Chronicles, I think it was in here, it says basically reiterates that Ubisoft is going to double down on its big IPs, right? And it's, and it's live services stuff, which means... Yep. Yeah, we're going to get a lot of online Assassin's Creed. Uh, or at least Assassin's Creed with some online hooks. Hey, look, the Prince of Persia game looked cool. Yeah, that looks cool. Uh, that Star Wars game looks pretty cool. Yeah, yes, yes. There is there is some interesting... Even that Assassin's Creed game I'm interested in with its kind of walking back to... Or hearkening back, let's say. Stealthing back. Creeping back to Assassin's Creed 1. So, just no room for... Uh, experimentation unless you are under the umbrella of an existing large IP. So maybe Assassin's Creed Immortals. Maybe we'll see it someday. Uh, oh, this one. I like this one. Uh, Brad, you want to talk about <laughs> Ratchet and Clank on the PC? Yeah, that came out. Yeah. That's out. This was an interesting uh, one. The, uh, they said it couldn't be done. Yes. They said it could only run on the PS5. And yet, I had for- forgotten that until I read this story. And yet, it is verified for the Steam Deck. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is is it's not just it's not just I forget what the other labels are. It's not just one of those like ah, it might work, give it a shot. Don't no promises. It is full on verified. Yes, uh, uh, by Valve itself. Yes, uh, obviously, you know that game like is. I feel like that game is remembered as one of the first, like, hey, look how fast this thing loads. Like, yep. oh, obviously, yeah. you know, there's stuff like uh, Astro's Playroom where you could at least see, you know, like, oh, I'm going to warp into this level and it's going to be faster, but. Couldn't do but, this with the old tech. Ratchet, it feels like they designed those, like, portal jumps to different dimensions straight up to show off the loading. Um, But apparently you can do that running off of the flash memory in a Steam Deck as well. Like, <gasps> Digital Foundry put out a like pretty comprehensive tech comparison today where they they put like a top end PC next to a PS5 next to like a machine that were the minimum specs for this game. And you can actually see side to side by side like the little the little loop of like Ratchet kind of levitates up in the air, the rift opens and he sort of floats there before he flies through. You know what I mean? You can see mm-hmm. how you can see how there's padding in that animation loop every time you go to a new dimension where they can just kind of draw that out a little more on a platform that loads more slowly. <laughs> so you can kind of see how this still works. You're just maybe not getting quite as much of the whiz bang sort of factor, but 
it works. I do think the whiz bang is a big part of what made that game stand out. So, you know, like I'm in watching some of those comparison videos, even on the, the, you know, the high end PC version. I mean, it works. Yeah. It looks like it's there. It, yeah. it does what you want it to do. It's just that there is a certain novelty that you lose when it's not just like instantaneous. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a little less exciting when it takes like, I don't know, 10 seconds or whatever to get to the next area. Like you're still going to get to play the game. You're still going to get to do all of the shooting and jumping and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I mean, it's maybe just a little bit less flashy. What if you have a high end PC? No, yeah, you'll probably be fine. I think this is like this is only like the second game to support direct storage. I think after a Forspoken. Mm. Oh, was that also one? I don't even think I yeah, realized it was, that such, was, it was one. the weirdest thing. Like talking to people who I know who work in hardware. <laughs> it's like we would love to do more direct storage benchmarks. It's really weird that Forspoken is what we've got to work with. Oh, that's funny. Uh, so that's finally happening. So so yeah, like modern PC with that is uh, is pretty comparable to the PS5. Yeah, and and um, it, look, it looked good. Like in, at least in the digital foundry videos I was watching on the PC, um, it's odd because I don't know enough about this technology. But they were talking a lot about is one better than the other in terms of uh, some of the ray trace stuff and some of the the kind of bells and whistles. And a lot of it just sounded like, hey, look, it's better on the PC in this particular way, and it's better on the PS5 in this particular way. Which I just I can't follow why you know it's beyond my beyond me. Yeah, I mean, if that's if that's about loading, like PS5 has dedicated hardware in it to make decompression of data way faster, which is why the loading is so goddamn fast. It's why I hate to wade into fanboy arguments, but that's why the PS5 storage is somewhat faster than the Xboxes because hmm. uh, they did that kind of work. I don't know. I'm I'm of two minds about this because it's cool that they are taking this game that was said to be impossible, you know, can never and be make, done. And making it available on more platforms. At the same time, I want to see some games made that truly cannot be put on other stuff because then then we're going to see things we've never seen before, right? Yeah, but I I mean, I guess I don't know. Back to originally what you what you guys were talking about, what you said, which is look, it kind of is it kind of is that right? You got instantaneous warp into these loads or into these other levels, which was awesome to see versus ratchet kind of flailing about for you know a couple of seconds while right. he loads into a portal yeah, so it, it is it is different and some of the magic is gone it looks more like a standard video game that it did the magical experience on the yeah PS5. but i guess i guess to draw the kind of contrast i'm talking about here like that is still a loading process a loading sequence <laughs> where it's you know sure. it is, it's a little animation but it's essentially still a loading screen that just basically is only there for like 1.5 seconds mm-hmm. yeah but if you go back to like the, you remember that really low key talk that Mark Cerny gave? It was like the first stream they ever did about a PlayStation Five, and we yeah. live streamed over it. Is it the one where it, we talked about the molding of the ears? And it was yes, it was literally just him in a podium talking about tech in a really uh-huh. nerdy way for an hour, which is kind of amazing. Like if you go back and watch that, like some of the examples he was giving about the storage there were like, like hey, we're going to be able to stream assets off this storage faster than you can spin a camera. So right. The idea is like you could be, you could have, I mean, and, and then you get into like the limitations of just human labor to generate art assets to populate a world with this. But the idea there is like, like, hey, you could have a world with like a level of variety in the visuals that you've never seen before because that stuff couldn't be fit into memory before. Right. But now because we can just pull it off the storage that fast, you could literally like be loading parts of the world in as you are looking around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is and, some serious business. And, and that's the kind of thing, of course, you can't architect when you have to ship on other platforms and so like who knows who knows what yeah. we're going to see out of some of the more tech focused studios in the next 
like in the second half of this generation, like the the softwares and the naughty dogs and some of the really hardcore yeah. engine houses. Do you think? I don't know. Like, yes, you're right, but even for places like Sony and their first party stuff, at this point, you think they're like, no, we have to make sure we can bring this to a couple of platforms. No, like, they're do, done. Sony's do not, done. Are, like they're they're done with PS4, if that's what you mean. No, I mean like PC now. Like oh, where, oh. Where, where they're yeah, like, yes, hey, that's, you, yes, you, that need, is, you need to build your games not just for the PlayStation Five. Yes, that uh, that is a weird one. That has been a weird one. Like I I I went to the six AM presentation for both the thirty and forty series and video cards, and that's when that's those are the generations where they've rolled out like comparable super duper fast PC loading. Yeah. And I absolutely came out of that that day going like, what about people with hard drives? <laughs> like, <laughs> or what about people with SATA SSDs that are a 10th or a 20th of the speed? Yeah. Uh, what about like, how are you going to ship games on steam where the like 90% of the install base uses hardware like that? So yes. Yeah. So like still, still a weird thing. Like still a weird thing. Like the fast loading and the ray tracing stuff, like realistically, I don't know, man, somewhere, but it's like somewhere between 10 and 20 years from now before like literally everyone has that stuff. Uh, I feel like, yeah, like if yeah. you look at this, like, do you ever look at the steam hardware monthly hardware sur- surveys? No. Like it's like 80%, 50 and 60 NVIDIA cards on steam. Okay. And a lot of them are still like, like 10 and 20 series. Like the penetration on the high end hardware is just not. It's so expensive. There. It's yeah. super duper expensive. Yeah, and I so, feel like, you know, even introduction of things like the Steam Deck, which might have some might have built-in fast hard drive stuff, are not going to push like you just said. Like into uh, you're not going to replace a hard drive or, yes. or or even the video card in that as time goes by. Yeah. So then you get this disconnect in expectations because the hardware companies are out there talking about all this amazing technology, but no games are really truly going to get built for it for another however many years, and then. I think a certain amount of burnout or fatigue sets in with a lot of people hearing about those features and not really seeing the proof in the pudding. Or you're just going to get the, um, well, it's, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice layer on top of what you have. Like you can turn on like Tress effect style stuff where you'd be like, Oh, well we, we got paid by NVIDIA to put this thing in our game, but really you don't have to turn it on. Like, or, you know, some of this stuff is amazing. DLSS, I think is, is a cool technology. I think, um, video cards need to normalize somewhere or there needs to be some paradigm shift into the architecture of the PC where you're just buying a goddamn video card with a CPU on it at this point, because the cost to get into that is getting too much. And if you're talking about people moving into the laptop space or portable computing and all of those things, it's just, it's not going to work out. I don't think in, in a, in a way where you're talking about getting market penetration to, to make use of that stuff. And my personal feeling is, hardware on consoles is a big fuzzy cloud right now like if you ask me to put bets down on what the next generation of hardware is i'd probably say more streaming than hardware somewhere you know like xbox probably wants your lg tv to play all the games yeah streaming um subscription services so yeah interesting a lot of a lot of the stuff out of like the microsoft activision stuff like documents and so forth have pretty much painted 2028 as the year for whatever's for, next for the next generation which we're only five years away from i know it's, <laughs> it's only, both. i are, don't like hearing this potentially we are only five years away from a playstation 6 which is which is both short and long because when i talk to my brothers 
I know they're probably still not going to get a, a new X, new quote unquote Xbox or PS five. And I don't realize it's, it doesn't feel like it's been what five years. Are we Since five years in what? the PS five launch? No, no, three, three. It was 2020. Okay. First year um, of the pandemic. Oh geez. Was it the first year? It was. What a launch. Um, yeah. Okay. So it, like time for me with the consoles is amorphous at this point. I have no idea. It feels like we've had them forever. It feels like we've had them for nobody's had them ever. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that Ratchet and Clank story was super interesting because yeah. th- that it totally in my mind, that game was a PS five exclusive, never to see, never to break off of that console. And now people are playing it on a gosh, darn handheld PC thing. 720 P. Uh, Speaking of gosh darn handheld things, Brad, you put this uh, uh, PS5 handheld uh, in here, uh, which is amazing to see this leaked <laughs> That's video. one way of putting it. Yeah. Some footage leaked of the Project Q. It's kind of weird. They still haven't announced a name for this thing. I, this thing's, is this AI video? <laughs> this, this thing's really exist. It does on? look like that, something that doesn't quite know how to shape a handheld would shape a handheld right, like. That, that actually occurred to me looking at this leak was like, we're probably not that far off. I mean, whatever. It's like people have been talking about this for ages. This is not some new insight, but mostly in the realm of like political misinformation and stuff like that. But like, we're also going to get to the point where people are just going to be able to gin up really convincing looking fakes of like video game hardware and stuff as well eventually. But this this is definitely legit. I mean, you know, they showed what it looked like in the yeah in their May stream. This is just somebody with their hands on it actually flicking through an Android home screen now. I love that they haven't taken the screen protector off yet, which makes mm-hmm. me believe it more because what human who owned this thing? Like, if you were doing a fake video, you would not put a screen protector with a shitty bubbles and stuff all over yeah. it. Well, and especially it. if you're somewhere in the supply chain illicitly <laughs> taking footage <laughs> yeah. of this and need mm-hmm. to put it back in... To, you know, this looks to me maybe like a dev or something on a on a hotel bed, uh, like maybe taking a video for somebody else to be like, yeah, hey, it, it may have come out of manufacturing. Yeah. Honestly, I think that's where most stuff like this leaks from these days. But um, honestly, it's it running Android. I feel like is probably the biggest actual news here. Mm. Um, you know, Sony does make Android phones, so they've got some expertise there. But I just. I wonder what it's going to finally be able to do in the end once they ship it. Because the story had just been, hey, it's just going to stream games from a PS5 and that's it. Right. But if there's at least like half-decent phone hardware in there, like who knows, maybe it has some other functionality that it runs right on the device so you don't have to stream constantly. I don't know what that would be. It's it's a weird little device. I don't... I mean, it's it, it's in that... It, it feels to me very Steam Deck adjacent and like... Hey, you're not playing necessarily your games on an airplane because I mean Steam Deck could, but your Steam battery, Deck can, yeah, yeah it like can. This, but like this has to be connected to streaming yeah, like games. This, that, that, yeah. So, so again, I'm not suggesting this will run any local games. No, that's no. definitely not happening. But Just like you know, functionality, if there's, and also I wonder if they even let you access the base Android. I bet they don't. But also, somebody yeah, will probably somebody read will. It yes. soon enough. Um, um, it just looks weird. You can see it turned over yeah, in the footage and it just looks like a Mr. Fantastic stretchy. <laughs> yes. Dual shock. Yeah. It's weird. Also the kind of wells for the sticks, like almost 
like they're right like right up adjacent with the screen so your thumbs like stick out over the screen when you use the sticks yeah seems like, a little questionable i don't know it's a weird product it's a really strange product yeah i'm i'm look i'm watching it again do they actually carve out any of the screen or is it is it is no, it just no, no, right it up against there no but it looks like you can see as the person works the sticks you can see your thumb the thumbs kind of jut out over the screen which seems a little questionable okay okay so they it's it's cuts into the bezel of the screen but not the actual screen itself that, yeah that yes. is really tight on there yeah i don't know like if you if you told me this thing was a hundred bucks so or sub a hundred i Not might i might be in on it above that for me probably not like seeing yeah seeing this now i like i was with you when they first announced this i was like yeah okay 99 bucks maybe that makes sense yeah. in the product offering but looking at this thing now there's no way if they if they stripped out all of the guts of the ps5 controller to get rid of all of the haptics and all the funky stuff that's in those I could see them coming in there, but I don't think they would do that. First of all, and second of all, I bet this thing is coming in at two hundred bucks, like uh, or, or plus. Yeah, I don't know exactly why, but that puts it out of any kind of useful range for me. Like I just yeah. Yeah. like I can I can wait to get back on the TV to play my PS Five. Yeah. yeah, or you, you can if you have a tablet in the house, you can. You yeah, know, you can hook a Bluetooth a controller to that and use their existing streaming stuff. I did it I did it on my MacBook. I was yeah. able to stream to my MacBook and, and play. So yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what this thing is yet still even yeah. with this leak. I don't know if they are. I don't know if they are. Uh but that is uh, the news and I'm pretty sure I know what that is. Well, I know what some of it is. The news ever breaking. Mm-hmm. Uh we've got an email address that address that that address that address is podcast at nextlander.com podcast at nextlander.com Brad Shoemaker, anything over in the old email inbox this week that you would like to pluck out and share with the world uh yeah why don't we read a couple of food emails I sure. love those are food always emails. a nightmare I love food yeah. I love uh, these are these are pretty <laughs> straightforward Chris from Texas asks what do you like in your trail mix oh like out of things I can buy or like yes, <laughs> open-ended. I'll say it's open-ended, but I All really right. just took this to say that trail mix is just a vehicle for M&Ms and peanut butter chips. It's just, and occasionally a, way raisins. it's just a way to tell yourself. No, I don't really mean this, but it's just a way to tell yourself you're eating something healthy. So you can eat some candy. Look, you're not I'm wrong. Not, I'm not here to, to rain on anybody's parade, but I am. All right. I'm, I'm raining. Say, I don't love chocolate in my trail mix. Really? I know. I know. I know. I don't. I like I'm more of a like salty. Like I want as much salt. Like this is kind of getting outside of the definition of trail mix. I feel like. But if you were to substitute all the chocolate with those little bagel chips in there, I'd be perfectly happy. I I don't need it. I don't need it. Okay. Well, I do put plantains in there. (laughs) Like those, like, uh, Oh yeah. I like, I like a dried plantain chip. Yeah. That's good. How about, how about plantain chips and chocolate? There you go. uh, And some raisins and, you know, maybe like some, uh, you know, some, some peanuts, cashews. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm telling you those little peanut butter chips. Uh, maybe those, uh, um, uh, those granola, like honey granola nuggets, like the clusters. Yeah. 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 I'll take that. The, the, The chocolate, straight chocolate. I don't know. It's not for me. I'm not a big chocolate fan. Um, I like a I like a salt. 
I'm a I'm a chip fan, so the plantains are delicious though. I got I got on a real bad run of Walgreens has this trail mix called Magic Mix. Okay. I had to cut myself off at some point. Oh. Just buying too many buying was, too many bags. It was exactly what I described. <laughs> oh sorry, it also had cho- it had it had both M and M's and chocolate chips and peanut butter chips. Okay. And is raisins. It, is it peanut butter chip and a variety of nuts. Is it peanut butter chip like a dried peanut butter thing or it has chocolate? It's, it's literally a chocolate chip but peanut butter. <laughs> Wait, so it's like a nugget of peanut butter? Yes. It's yes. Chocolate. All right. Look, I'll take that. I lo- I love peanut butter. Look up that Walgreens magic or ma- magic mix. You'll see magic trail mix. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's, okay. I'll take was, I'll take it the was peanut bad. Butter. I had to stop lying to myself at some point and say, "Look, you can't do this anymore." <laughs> Your metabolism is not fooling anybody. <laughs> would you? Okay. Let me ask you this, Brad or Alex too. Mm-hmm. Uh, when presented, would you rather get a bag of jerky or trail mix? Hmm. It's very mood based <laughs> where you're at. I'm, I'm just going to say jerky now because I'm trying to be healthier. Okay. Jerky's expensive. Jerky's it is. quite expensive. Jerky's yeah. meat. Yeah. Jerky is meat. You may have heard jerky is meat. I thought for a little bit, very short in, in the Vinnie Caravella space of thinking about things of getting a dehydrator and maybe doing my own jerky. But, uh, I do like is that the life you want to be living. I don't think that is now, okay. but I reserve the right to live that life in the future. That's my, that's my God given right. It says so right in the constitution. Uh, any other e- food emails? Yeah. Food emails. Chris from uh, Chris from Santa Ana. I'm trying to step up step up my sandwich game. What ingredients are required to go from a pretty good sandwich to a great one? Ooh, my I've got an answer. Okay, just one. If, if nobody else does, I would I would start I would start with the foundations, and you can you can spice up that bread. You you can go if you're whatever you're using, get something else for your bread. Toast toast whatever you're mm. talking about. That immediately steps it up. Heat the sandwich immediately will step it up. Those aren't ingredients, but heat maybe heat is an ingredient. Horseradish. Oh yes, horseradish. That's up there. But my my answer is red onion. Okay. Red yeah. onion is the secret ingredient that makes you feel like you have paid fifteen dollars for the sandwich. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Remember that deli around the corner in Sausalito? Yeah. Of course. Remember the size of the sandwiches? Yeah. That might be what had formed my association <laughs> with red onion, making the sandwich seem expensive. Big Look, hunk of onion. Red onion in a sandwich or a salad feels special. Like, uh, I, we don't keep red onion in the house, really. Uh, and it's the best of onions. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's uh, a, you know, I think every onion has its place. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I, I'm not anti any kind of onion. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, I feel like the red one is always the one I gravitate toward. It's a milder onion, you know? It's like, uh, can work. It, I feel like it works for more people raw, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, red onion's a good one. I mean, if you're not putting lettuce already on your sandwich, uh, here's here's what I found uh, classes up the sandwich. If you're putting leaf lettuce on your sandwich, roll that lettuce up and then chop it up a little bit, and then it becomes like somebody uh, shredded lettuce, and you're putting uh, the shredded lettuce on the sandwich. All right. And that just makes it look like, uh, oh, look at this! What a what a fancy sandwich we've made. It's shredded lettuce. Uh, my basic sandwich almost every day is um, lettuce, tomato. Uh, if I'm having like a turkey, it'll have a mustard. If I'm having a ham, it'll be a, like a mayo and, and, and or a hot sauce. 
if it's if there's some kind of roast beef or or a red meat, which there usually isn't, but that'll be a horseradish joint. But a lettuce and tomato usually always make it on that sandwich, as does a little bit of hot sauce. Always. Onion, maybe on the ham sandwich. Would you put uh Brad, are you onion, red onion on every sandwich? Yeah, sure. Okay. Any any deli meat sandwich? Yes, definitely. Okay. Pickles are good. Pepperoncinis are good. Yep. Ooh, pepperoncini. Love a pepperoncini good. on yeah, there. That's that's pretty so, good. Sometimes they'll sub arugula or watercress or something for the lettuce. Man, you got a good fridge. The fuck you got watercress <laughs> in your house for? <laughs> you, got, you got the good fridge. It's good. Um, yeah, I don't I haven't had a pepperoncini in a while. All right, any more? One, one of the one of the major newspapers ran some was running some propaganda propaganda campaign against the American sandwich. What recently? It was the New York Times or the Washington Post or somebody ran some story that was just like, hey, the classic sandwich is nothing but a sodium, like an unhealthy sodium bomb that's killing you. Okay. Well, that's probably true. Yeah. Like, get the fuck out of here. That's probably true. I mean. I do not want to hear it. Uh, probably it was, it was, all, any processed deli meat. It was some full on, it's time to stop making sandwiches for lunch thing. Okay. I have no, a that's, sandwich. That's, that's not going to happen. I'm sorry. From my... Look, maybe we talked about this before. I probably should just be eating the oatmeal, but I'm still eating a sandwich. Look, there are ways to bring about a vibe shift, but that's not one of them. No. <laughs> um, any other food emails? Uh, that's it for the food emails. Any other emails? Uh, we can do one more here. All right. How about Awesome from Kazakhstan? Okay. Uh, my son Altair is five, and every time I switch on Vinny singing Monday, 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 and the rest of the week, uh-huh. he comes running no matter what he is doing and ends up watching the rest of the video with me. Uh, do, you, do, you have a theme, do you have a theme like that uh, <laughs> that you have a strong reaction to? P.S. Vinny, do you still got it? Oh. I'm not sure if he means do you still have the footage or do you still have it? Uh, whatever it is, yes. Whatever you're looking for. I've still got it. I, th- I think I, I'm just wondering why are you watching old I Love Mondays videos? You know? What is the... Like, they were great. Did you wanna, People like it. You gotta know what's happening that week. Did you want to know what was happening the week of <laughs> May 5th, 2009? You do. You want to know. But it's here's funny, the thing. It's I can't pull intro. that from memory. I couldn't tell you what was happening then. If you want to remember, I've got a fucking Swiss cheese brain. Yeah, maybe, maybe you want to know what the uh, answers to the question of the week were. I, you know, occasionally I'll see people say like, oh, I'm listening to the whole run of the Bombcast again from the beginning mm-hmm. in real time or something like that. Has anyone done that with the video content? Oh, well, people start do the, the persona one. Start at the beginning. No, I mean all of it. The whole catalog. Start I celebrate at the, the whole catalog. Start at the beginning and watch it as it was posted day by day. I, could you do that? And I guess at this point you probably could. I was going to say, could you do that and catch up or would there always just be more giant bomb content still being made you know what i mean like could you is it an indefinite i mean i can journey? tell you right now yes they are still making stuff <laughs> well more no more what, than, I, what, more what I mean is time is, to watch don't skip ahead like only yeah. like okay i've watched the videos that went up today and now i have to wait until tomorrow for the next day's videos because you're at some point you're gonna get stuck in some 24-hour marathon stuff or mm-hmm. some really long form gotta things. plan ahead for that yeah and you're, you're, like you're gonna get up to the uh, uh extra life stuff and it's gonna be a real tough one yeah well i don't mean you have to watch all of it i'm just saying you have to gate your access to it by the time it was posted sequentially um uh, do I have any uh, Pied Piper style songs that when they play? Hmm. Hmm. 
I don't know. There are things that will make me leave a room, but mm. I don't know if there's too Fair. many. Things What's that one that sends you flying? Uh, some of the kids shows they watch where like I hear the thing and I'm like I I gotta go I I can't I can't do this anymore. Um, my son was has been learning uh um various video game themes for the piano. Like he's discovered that if he just tells his piano teacher, he can uh, uh, practice those. So we have um, he did the Mario theme, and now it's the Tetris theme, which is pretty fun. Uh, uh, type A, I guess, right? That's the uh, okay, because there's two. I think it's Type. Maybe it's Music B. I can't remember which one. Uh, and then, uh, but now, folks, he is learning accordion. Oh, and is playing the Tetris theme on accordion. Okay. Which is kind of amazing. I should make a sounds, recording. He's, sounds appropriate. Yeah, I hear him practice it every morning at like seven thirty. It's uh, <laughs> good morning. <laughs> it's pretty good. He's a big Weird Al fan. Uh, but anyway, uh, do you guys have any themes that make you come a running? I don't know why it comes to mind, but I'm quite partial to the to Chris Remo's Idle Thumbs theme. Sure, the the okay. thumbs theme. Hmm. Okay. To the point that I went and pulled it up this morning. Did he do two <laughs> versions of that? I don't know. Like, was there a refresh? Alex, do you have anything? I'm trying to think. I mean, there's plenty of theme songs that run through my head in any given moment. I think the one that's currently top of mind, because I'm now on my 70,000th fucking rewatch of this show, is the Kids in the Hall theme. Okay. Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet. That uh-huh. fucking twangy guitar is just uh-huh. a thing that lives permanently in my head, and uh, any time, sometimes when I'm just walking out the door, I just hear it in my head. I don't know why. I feel like for me that space in my head, that particular lockbox in my in my brain, uh, is full and will never be replaced with just that Disney Power Hour kind of afternoon. It's just like Tailspin, Chippendales, Rescue Rangers, uh, all those are the themes that live there forever. And if I guess if somebody were playing the Tailspin theme, I'd probably have to run across the world. To- I think mine is the Ducktales one. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Yeah, and then a million forty-year-old men come storming mm-hmm. out of yes, storming out of their houses. Uh, all right, is that going to do it for emails? Yep, that's it. Send us more emails. Send more emails to podcast at nextlander dot com. You heard the man. Uh, we've got a bunch of stuff going on over on, and I'll say it, the site. Uh, we played Remnant Two on Monday. We're going to have a patrons choice stream over on Friday. Poll is up. Poll is up. Poll is up. Yes, yes. I put the poll up right before this. You can check out the poll over at patreon.com slash nextlander. We recorded our final episodes for this season of Twin Peaks uh, with the season finale. Uh, Those will go up on Monday. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are, uh, boy, what a season finale. Indeed. You you can hear our thoughts on the season finale, uh, and you can hear our thoughts on the entire first season of Twin Peaks. You can go check that out over on the Watchcast over at Patreon.com for the latest in the Watchcast. And we are figuring out exactly what we want to do with the Watchcast and where we're going with the Watchcast. We have a couple. The road spreads out forks Mm -hmm. in front of us. I don't know if people are paying attention. They probably are. But SAG-AFTRA on strike also with the WGA. They just put up guidelines for like, hey, if you're doing rewatch podcasts, here's uh, some stuff. Now, we don't know necessarily how, in letter of the law, that applies to the watch cast or what they would want from us. We're actually trying to figure that out. We're mm-hmm. going to 
try and get see if we can get their blessing to do these things. We're going to reach out and and just see where we fit into this much larger world that really has not much to do with us. But we we want to try and do the right thing. So in the meantime, while we're trying to figure that out, it might be time for anime. It may be time for anime. It might be time to slip in some anime. Different set of unions. Animation has its own problems and its own thing. And Japanese animation has its own own things going on. But as far as we know, not on strike. Yes, <laughs> and, currently um, not on strike. Again, I, I don't think there's actually a problem with the Watchcast. We just want to try and we want to show solidarity. You know, if if they if they'd rather not have shows covering this stuff, you know, from studios that are and and projects that are part of the uh, the strike. I think in, in, in the grand scheme of things, we would rather adhere to that than not. That's right. So we're going to check in and, and just kind of see and hopefully get some clarification on like, hopefully somebody there will be like, huge fan. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. But also don't do it. But you know what? No, I hope they're like, yeah, continue. If you guys want to do that. We were going to take a break. We finished season uh, of Twin Peaks. We were going to take a break and do something else anyway. So um, why not go into anime? Yeah. Uh, what that is, how that is, when that is, we will. Uh, uh, we By will the find time that Monday out. rolls around, you will have clarification on where we're going. Yeah, but for now, you can go check out the um, uh, Twin Peaks season one. I really enjoyed it. Spoilers. I really enjoyed wow. it. Wow, just giving the game away. I know, I know. And look, that's why that's why you're here. That's why you listen to the entire podcast. You make it all the way to the two hour mark, so you can get that kind of reveal. Uh, <laughs> uh, that is going to do it for our show. Like I said, we had a bunch of stuff going on here and some of it you can find over on patreon.com slash next lander, where you can find a tier that fits your lifestyle, whatever that is. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. Uh, one of those tiers, the mysterious benefactors tier, get their names read on this here show. Alex Navarro, yes. would you do the honor of reading through our Mysterious Benefactors for this week? I would love to. Our Mysterious Benefactors for this week are... Ryan Waterman, RRE, John Richardson, Vornak, Kelly F., Brian Lucier, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, Jerry Lee, Deirdre Has Space Crabs, Gary Pejsky, Robert Fisher, John McGinnis, Bunny Fiend, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Mega Crane, Raz Grizz 2, Brian Murphy, Randy Duax, Andrew Teepkin, Alex Wu, It Me JP, Matt Clements Jr., Edward Chick, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Treese. Thanks again to all of our mysterious benefactors and to everyone who has supported us over on Patreon, watching our stuff on YouTube, Twitch, listening to this year podcast, listening to the Watchcast, all of it. Yeah, can't do it without you. It might be cliche, but it doesn't make it untrue because it's the truth. Um, I think that's it for the show. Alex, I'm going to come to your house next weekend and uh, bang on your toilet some more. Yeah, if there's other stuff you want to break, you're more than welcome to. Uh, anything else you, uh, you just want to throw out there? I mean, look, I've got a lot of tools here. They can do a lot of damage. No, you know, I think if you just bring me that push mower, I'm probably good. Oh, yeah. I got to see if that thing will fit in the car. You're getting a mower? Well, I have yeah. a regular lawnmower now, uh, which is great for my backyard, but I have a very small front yard, and I think having the, lugging that thing out 
just to cut the tiny amount of grass that I have on the front lawn would probably be a little ridiculous. Hang on. What does the phrase regular mower mean in 2023? Does that mean a riding mower? No. Okay. I was no, say. it's a push mower. Oh, but it is a motorized one. This is an electric one. I did I not see. buy a gas mower. I see. Okay. And when you say motorized, you don't mean the wheels turn. You mean the blade. No, this one is self-propelling. Is it self-propelling? It's rear, rear wheel, wheel drive. Yeah. <gasps> Whoa. I'm going to borrow your mower. I like my, my... I don't think it'll fit in your car. No, I don't know if my push mower will fit in my car. I have a fairly okay. small car. I don't know if my push mower will fit in your car. We'll figure it out, though. Um, I mean, I could put it in the passenger seat. <laughs> I mean, this mower didn't fit in my car. I had to have it delivered. So yeah, yeah. I, we both have uh, pretty small cars. We love Ca- sedans. Yes. Um, that's gonna do it for the show. Thanks everybody again. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. And we'll be back next week. <laughs>